When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Hello and welcome to the post-Vikings and Packers Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad here from Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Judd, this one was very far from pretty, but the Vikings took care of business once again against a team that was not only out of the playoff race, but also extremely banged up. Yeah, a cold night uh, here in Green Bay. Vikings playing a team. In the Packers that uh, that came in, I believe, without so what? They came into this game, was it down five starters? And then slowly but surely, Jordy Nelson and more guys began to go, go out. But 16-zip, uh, I think the most impressive stat I saw uh, from this game team-wise is this is the Vikings' first shutout since 1993, Matthew Collar. And uh, I believe ESPN tweeted this was the third longest uh, such streak where a team hadn't blanked an opponent so uh impressive and i believe i heard that this is the first time that there's been a shutout in this series since 1971 or thereabouts it wasn't pretty but once again it was productive right like i mean there were there were things about this game that bothered you a little bit um but the vikings to their credit continue to win the vast majority of uh, of games that they play and it's hard to complain a lot. We can certainly nitpick some things and get into those, um, but on a night like this, they won, they blanked a team, and once again, your guy, Harrison Smith, was unbelievable. Did you not have a feeling as soon as he was left off of that Pro Bowl roster on Tuesday when it came out, didn't everyone have the same exact thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to have a big game against Green Bay? Not that Harrison Smith needs any more motivation or anything like that, but facing it off with Brett Hundley, who he picked off before back in Minnesota and sacked twice the last time, it was the perfect situation for Harrison Smith to send a message to everybody who did not vote for him for the Pro Bowl, which remains to be the most absurd well, snub that I think I've ever seen. But the game itself is stupid. I mean, the whole yeah. thing is stupid. But, yeah, I, he he was great, and uh, this defense just continues to be, for the most part, absolutely fantastic. It continues to be impressive. It continues to shut down the majority of QBs. Um, it's hard. It's very difficult to look at this defense and pick it apart. 
it's very difficult to say, well, I didn't see this. Or Have there been games here and there where they haven't been great? Yeah, probably. But uh, that being said, you, you once again on a weekly basis receive a tutorial of the fact that this team and its playoff hopes are built around one major thing, and that is a defense that is lights out for the most part. And it really starts with Harrison, and I think he showed you one of the reasons why on the interception of Brett Hundley, he just takes advantage of yeah uh, the first one. I mean, the second one is yeah. nice to add to your stats, but that was a throw that should never get made, and it was. You know, just kind of a garbage sure. time pick. But the first interception was important. At that point, it's 10 nothing, and Green Bay might have some life. And then all of a sudden, that life is taken away by Smith, who has had several of those this year, big interceptions at big times. I mean, against Green Bay the first time, um, Case Keenum didn't play all that well in that game either, and the offense sputtered at times in that first game back at U.S. Bank Stadium. But Smith with the interception back there, the two sacks, and it was vintage Smith on this play because he lined up at the line of scrimmage and then backed off to make it look like he was going to be in zone coverage and then stepped up at the last second to be in man coverage, got under the route with his quickness, his explosiveness, and then made the play and even was able to take the ball out away from the goal line, too, to set up the offense. It was just everything that Harrison Smith does well. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that wasn't his only play either. He got up and made some run stops. He uh, made a stop on a basically a zero-yard pass where he came and made a key tackle. And this year, anytime it seems there's throws into his coverage, he's making plays on the ball, whether it's an interception. He's tied with Xavier Rhodes for the most passes defensed. In everything that he's done, he has shown why he's the most valuable player on this defense, and he did it again tonight. And you're right, if this Vikings team is playing good quarterbacks, you always believe they can slow them down. And if they're playing bad quarterbacks, you don't believe they can ever score. They got no chance. Yeah, and the, They have zero chance, really. And when you think about it, like Green Bay scored a touchdown late in the first game like with time expiring. Yep. Joe Flacco scores a touchdown, same thing, time expiring, completely yep. shut him down. Yep. The Bengals score one very late. You take away those points that don't matter at all when the game is over. I mean, what has this defense done against these bad quarterbacks is basically shut them out every single week. Mm-hmm. And now the, I guess the question might be, do you really learn anything about yourself? Do you really get better when you play a team like this or quarterbacks like Dalton or quarterbacks like Hundley and they're going to play uh, Mitch Trubisky? They didn't get the type of tune-up that you wanted to see if Aaron Rodgers had been here. Correct. Well, and that's the, the thing about this stretch. And and I have no evidence to prove that it's going to be a problem. I do. I just find it intriguing, and this is it, okay? I find it intriguing that you're going to go from Carolina, which was the Falcons and Panthers were back-to-back really good games um, as far as opponents go and preparation for the playoffs go. And then you're going to go um, Cincinnati, you're going to go Green Bay, Chicago, and, and then almost certainly an off week. And the only thing I find intriguing is does it benefit you or does it hurt you at all to go essentially a month without a good prep game? But that being said, when your schedule is what what it is right now, they've done a great job. I mean, they they blew the drawers off Cincy, which didn't care. I'd say Green Bay cared. They're just not good and and they're decimated. Um, And this was an ugly game and, and the turf was all messed up. I mean, we saw guys slipping in this game and problems there. And now you're going to go Chicago, which I think will probably be cashed in by next week as well. So I'm only throwing it out there that I find it intriguing what it's going to be like to actually go um, essentially a month between 
really good opponents. But this defense deserves credit once again because this defense week after week gives you efforts where you say, where you basically say, wow. I mean, there's, as I said, there's very little about this defense that you see because offensively you can sort of pick the Vikings apart at times, Collar, but there's very little about this defense that you see where you're like, I don't know about that or I think that's going to, to break down. I mean, that that's my thing is, I don't know how much you can sit there and offensively scheme and say, well, well, we've discovered a weakness in this defense. It's got some issues. I don't know if it's got issues that can be exploited, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know what the issues are on this defense, that what, what they would have. I mean, anything that we thought going into the season could be a problem has turned out not to be a problem at all. You know, the nickel corner situation has turned out great. Terrence Newman made a couple of plays tonight. Well, your guy Ta- continues to be. He's... 97 years old. Jason Wildey, Wisconsin State Journal, ESPN Wisconsin. You are on the Purple Podcast. Tell us this. What the hell happened to the Packers this year? They lost Aaron Rodgers. Hashtag analysis. That's very good. That's deep stuff. Anthony Barr was very disappointed. I thought the fans would absolutely crucify him. They were very nice, I thought. Well, he how many times was his name actually announced? I think he had a couple of tackles, and they booed. Um, no cheap shots. We talked about that when I came out with you during the week. There were not really any uh, no bounties, from what I could tell. If there were, they didn't pay up. It was a good storyline at the time. That was Back a, you, that's Colin. a very Zolgadian take, though, right, that they're going to come out and throw all these dirty hits. That's just classic, well, classic me. Judd Zolgad. Hey, I thought it could happen. Uh, yeah, always, hey, always point, with Colin, the worst-case scenario. Um, speaking of case scenarios, uh, not a great night for yes, that's that's radio professional right there. Not a great night for Case Keenum Judd, and he mentioned after the game that he was frustrated with some of the throws. It is cold out there, but it gets cold in the playoffs too. What do you make of his inaccuracy going down the field, especially when he could have put this game wait for it on ice with oh, a couple of uh, more accurate stop. tosses downfield? You've got to stop right now. No, I don't. Um, while the defense, I praise them consistently, and and I I see their virtues. Uh, the more I watch Case, the more I get concerned. I'm just I uh, listen. Here's the thing about it, and and people are going to say, "Oh, typical Judd, typical Zolgad." But when you watch him play, there were about collar five four or five passes tonight that were not good passes and there were probably three passes that could have been picked off there was one pass in particular that ha ha clinton Dix, if he had picked it off could have gone in fact i think there were two there were two passes in particular where if they get picked off they could go a long ways or for touchdowns it makes me nervous i mean if this happens against a really good team in the playoffs, I think these passes get picked off. Well, and, if, I, and if they get picked off, you got trouble. I think there is reason to be concerned on some of those because last week, even though he finished 20 for 23, one of the three misses was a floating deep ball that yeah. should have been picked off and maybe changes the way that that game looks too. Uh, against Washington, you go back to the couple of picks, but there was also a drop pick by Josh Norman. And, I mean, it's felt like he's been one of the league leaders in dropped interceptions from a weekly basis even though he's succeeded on the short passes he still has a little bit of that 
gunslinger that he gets praised for when it works, but you know what happens with the gunslingers, and it's appropriate to bring it up when we're in Lambeau Field, is that often We've seen the gunslinger in here big situations it can go against you, and he certainly doesn't have the arm of Brett Favre to be gunslinging all over the field uh, like he's tried to do at times, and with some of those throws tonight should have been picked off, not just the one to HaHa Clinton Dix, but two underthrows on deep balls, one where they jump off sides and he launches it down the field where that's a touchdown, and another one where Adam Thielen pulls a double move that just he was wide open, should have been an easy one. Terrible pass. And when your defense is facing Brent Hundley and a beat-up Green Bay Packers team and Uh you're just going to shut them out, that's no problem if you miss those opportunities because you can win 16-0. When you get to the playoffs, I think that could be problematic. And it leads me to another thing, Judd. Nick Easton's ankle injury is serious, and he's likely out for the rest of the year. Fractured ankle and, and surgery coming up, so I would guess he has to be done, yes. And we've talked about the depth of the offensive line. It's been good. But one of the reasons that Case Keenum has been so successful is the screen game. And Nick Easton plays a big role in that. Tonight, Jarek McKinnon ends with one catch for nine yards. The screen game really wasn't a part of what they did on offense mm-hmm. tonight. I would be concerned that without his mobility and having to sub in a bigger guy who usually plays tackle, that some of that is going to get hurt by not having uh, Nick Easton in for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. And, yes, Searles can come in and play for him. But, yes, it's – the thing about this line is that the starting line intact, which is not now, is athletic as can be. And, I mean, that's a big difference from a year ago. Uh, Subtract the guard, and that's that's going to hurt – Here's what you may have missed on a recent Scoop podcast with Doogie. The Twins on Thursday morning agreed to terms with Fernando Rodney. He does have to pass a physical. He'll be 41 next year. So they do have a verbal agreement one year with a $4.25 million base with incentives. It can get up to $6 million. I'm told he really enjoyed his meeting with the Twins. But in particular, I'm told he really enjoyed his conversation with Paul Molitor and with General Manager Thad Levine. Somebody close to Rodney said those two guys stood out the most in that twin suite to Fernando Rodney. Now, it looks like Rodney will open the season as the Twins' ninth inning man, but he is very open-minded to pitching in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. So while Rodney may be the Twins' closer in April, I'm not quite sure I would bet on him being the Twins' closer in August, whether it's Trevor Hildenberger or somebody else developing. Don't be surprised by the end of the season if Rodney is not the Twins' closer. You can find the Scoop podcast on the 1500ESPN.com podcast page or on iTunes or really wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the thing about Keenum also that concerns me is this. If you, tonight's game, tonight's game didn't mean a whole lot, but it did preview one potential thing, and that's the, uh, that's the potential for an NFC title game in Philadelphia where it's not going to be very nice outside. It's going to be cold. Not as cold as here, but it's, go- it's going to be cold. Uh, so once again, if you're like, well, it was a cold night and then the touch on his passes was not great because of that, well, you're not guaranteed that you're not going to have to go back into an environment where it's tough as well. So before you dismiss that, yes, it was cold here and, and miserable, and there, is a very, and there is a opportunity that you're going to uh, stay home for the entire playoffs, and if that's the case, it's great for you. There also is a chance that if uh, – if you have to go to Philadelphia and play outside in the championship game, that you're going to see 
adverse conditions, in which case your quarterback's going to have to be very good there too, and he can't make you cannot in that game make irresponsible throws because we've all seen what happens when you go there and make irresponsible throws. I think Brett Favre can recall the 2003 season when he decided to launch what looked like a punt, the highly irresponsible throw in Philadelphia that led to uh, Philly beating the Packers in a playoff game there. Well, another thing with losing Easton is a lot of the playoff teams have very good defensive lines, and tonight the interior of the defensive line against the Packers I thought won a lot especially on the runs up the middle uh, with Latavius Murray that he pounded away and he got a little room from time to time but for the most part they slowed him down Easton has been a big part of that running game up the middle mm-hmm. without him if you have to play a team like Philadelphia whose defensive line is every bit as good as the Vikings is mm-hmm. I think that creates a big a big hole there for them in their offense and everything starts with that running game all of Case Keenum's success in the play-action throws, that all comes from teams believing that they'll actually hand it off and that that's going to be dangerous with Latavius Murray, especially him, but Jarek McKinnon too, to some extent. And even though it's a, just an injury to a left guard and you can replace the guy, there's kind of a ripple effect that goes through the rest of this offense that would be something you'd be concerned about. I, I wouldn't say that the season's over because Nick Easton went down at the same time. One of the reasons this team has succeeded so much is because outside of Sam Bradford and Delvin Cook, everybody else has been healthy all the way through. Easton's missed, what, three games? that he he missed a three-game stretch, but that that's it. Uh, yeah, and the other one that we should bring up from tonight's game, too, Kevin McDermott hurts his shoulder. I saw him in the post-game locker room, and his left shoulder was being held in a way that looked like it was uh, not a good thing. So uh, David M- Morgan, the backup tight end, came in and snapped for him. But that's key, too, because now if you're, you know, the guy did a nice job, but if you are now at a point where you're to the backup long snapper and or have to go out and sign a guy. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a couple things that uh, transpired here tonight injury-wise that you, you look at, and I don't think you're necessarily scared of those things, but you do say that could be a problem. Well, let me see how far I've come as a Zolgadian disciple. All right, so I've got it. Go so ahead. McDermott's out for the year. So it comes down to a big kick, big kick in the playoffs. This is exactly what the I'm snap is high, yep. and Kai Forbath shanks it. And it's a cold field, and it's a cold, <laughs> rock hard Philadelphia field. And they're saying, "Fly, Eagles, fly!" And then, bang, the ball goes wide. Yeah, Judd, heavy I, negative. Outside of the injury to Easton, and outside of Harrison Smith's performance that reminded everyone he should be a Pro Bowler. Uh, what else do we take from this? I mean, what more is to take away from this team outside of tonight's we, game? I mean, even just for next week, too, against the Bears? Uh, nothing. There really that, isn't over this final stretch. Well, well, the two things are you've got to clearly or you want to clearly win the games to stay in contention uh, for the top seed if you can get it. The Eagles will now play host to Oakland on Monday. So they are what? They are now they're 12-2, and two, correct? And the Vikings are uh, twelve and three. So, so that's the number one thing. Um, The number two thing is don't get guys hurt, which was a problem tonight. But there's nothing to take, and and that's my point. Though you're going through a you're going to go through a month where where games where you're either going to have three games and or an off week that's not really going to show you much. You're not going to be really tested. Uh, You're trying to keep guys healthy. So yeah, you're. 
that's what I said to me is the intriguing thing about this. You don't get one game where you look at the game, like let's say it was this game, and say, okay, I learned something or I felt the team stayed sharp. So you are in a predicament where I don't think that there's much to take. I mean, we could continue to take away the fact that defense plays outstanding football. That's great. Um, the Keenum the Keenum struggles tonight don't shock me. I mean, nothing about Keenum surprises me. He's a 29-year-old journeyman who's had a great pop-up year. Is that now going is, – is that now his new normal? Is that him? I don't know. Um, so to answer your question, I think there's very little that you look at from tonight's game and say, okay, I could put my finger on that and I learned something. This reinforces things, but I don't think it gives you new things that you've learned. With Keenum, I mean, I think as we get into the playoffs, it becomes harder to predict whether there will be moments that he looks like a journeyman backup quarterback like he did today. Uh, I think we saw him look like a serviceable backup today who throws for 139 yards and gets away with a win because his defense is great. And we've also seen him throughout this season look really, really good. But this kind of does open the, the door back up a little bit to thinking about that because we hadn't really seen it outside of some moments in Carolina. Overall, it's not a great game, but it's also not a disaster in Carolina. This was, I think, maybe his worst game of the year outside of Pittsburgh. Even though he throws a touchdown, I mean, it's it's set up by a 39-yard penalty where yeah. if the guy turns his head around, it's a pick. This game, to me, um, drives home the fact, and this is the most important thing, emphasizes the fact that Case Keenum cannot undo you in the playoffs or or you can't you can't have that happen. He could do it to you. Uh, this team is built around defense. If you go play a playoff game, you have to count on the fact that defense is going to hold the team in, in the biggest games possible, let's say to 14 to 17 points, right? What you can't have is for your offense to sabotage you. You need your offense to score some points for you. You need your offense to be productive. You need your offense to be run very smart. Um, but the one thing that could be this team's undoing and what makes you concerned about like a game like this tonight a little bit is when you see Keenum's flaws because those flaws by a good team are going to be exploited. And if that turns into, let's say, one pick six, that's death. So it, this really, what it does is this drives home to me the fact that this team is built around defense. This team is built around a formula where the, where the offense um, needs to be very functional, needs to be very smart. But when you see irresponsible passes thrown, that's when you say, uh-oh, because you don't, if Keenum tries to be a hero ever, you're in big trouble. This team is built around him not ha not having to be a hero. This team is built around him having to be smart and make good decisions and not make irresponsible passes. Well, since we have Jason Wildey sitting here with us, listening to Zolgad Takes. Take the mic, sir. Uh, let me just ask you one question for the Purple Podcast. What are the Packers going to do in the offseason? Because I thought last offseason they were going to take all the money that they had and throw it at every defensive free agent they could possibly find. That really wasn't the plan. Are they going to do that? Is Dom Capers out? What do you think is going to happen? I do think they're going to have a new defensive coordinator. I don't know if I can be quite as cheery as Judd, who I think I just heard say, a pick six is death in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I, I saw a lot of those in 2001 at the uh, Edward Jones Dome or whatever that was called at the time. Um, you know, I, I think they are going to have a new defensive coordinator. I think it'll be interesting to see if they somehow make a change at GM. Um, Ted Thompson has been told that it's his job as long as he wants it. I think there's an incredible irony to the fact that they have a couple of 
young, very well-respected GM candidates who could end up going elsewhere if Ted Thompson weren't to decide to step aside. Well, gee, an older guy in a very important position in the organization who wants to keep doing the job, and they have a younger person who could also do the job and maybe just as good. Where have I seen that scenario before here in Green Bay? Hmm. Um, would he step aside gracefully, unlike Brett Favre, who was traded to the Jets? I don't know. Um, but I think it's going to be a really interesting offseason. I think there's going to be staff changes. I think they have to figure out how to get better defensively. I mean, you guys talk about the Vikings. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about defense, thinking, when's the last time I talked about defense? Other than, boy, their defense isn't very good. Um, they'll have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. They have to play. They have to pay Devontae Adams. I mean, with where Jordy Nelson is at, Devontae Adams is their clear-cut number one receiver. He's going to cost them $15 million a year but they can't not have him on the team. It's like not having Rob Domofsky on your team if you work for an ESPN affiliate. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do there. They have to bring back Corey Lindsley, their starting center, but they have to get help on defense. And they've had some pretty good players who've now gone to Pro Bowls in other teams' secondaries, in Micah Hyde in Buffalo, in Casey Hayward in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Their secondary is still a mess. You guys saw it tonight. They've had some injuries there, but... They don't get enough edge pass rush. They don't get enough quality coverage in the secondary. And that's why the Vikings, even with their flaws offensively, can win by 16 and have it feel like they're winning by 60. How much longer is Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers? I mean, Tom Brady's going to be great till he's 74, I think. Probably because of his strange diet. Uh, that must be it, right? Uh, it's the secret to Judd's success, too. Yes, oh, most certainly. Stella. Uh because quarterbacks' primes seem to be lasting longer, but mm -hmm. we've also seen other quarterbacks. Peyton Manning hit a wall and then just fell right off and then won the Super Bowl. But Eli Manning hasn't looked like the same Eli Manning. Where do you think Aaron Rodgers stands with that, especially with another injury that he's had to deal with here? Yeah, I think as long as he doesn't break his collarbone, he's going to do what we've seen from Tom Brady. I mean, they're you know those two are buddies. They share recipes, apparently. Uh, Rodgers has adopted a similar... Uh, very cautious, uh, regimented diet. Um, if you look at him, I mean, he just, not that you could tell on a parka on the sideline, but he is he has remade his body. He is sculpted now. Mike McCarthy used to question his body fat. That is not an issue anymore. Um, the guy's one of the greatest players to ever play the position. As long as he doesn't break his collarbone, he is that, and I think he's that for another six, seven, eight years. He's not going to be peak of his powers for more than another four or five years, but he's still going to be pretty darn good. So, look, to me, the question about this division, I had somebody ask me tonight, well, is this a changing of the guard? And I feel like we had this conversation a couple of years ago when the Vikings won the division as well. And I, I just, I don't think when you have uncertainty at quarterback, you can say that there's been a changing of the guard. And so if Teddy Bridgewater comes back healthy, you guys know far more about the Vikings than I do, but if you have a guy that blossoms into your franchise quarterback he doesn't have to be an all-time great but to listen to you guys as i'm sitting here as part of your live studio audience um talk about case keenum you know you're right judd i mean it's the conversation we had walking back to the press box after post game you know it's a pop-up season by a 29 year old journeyman those are not 
usually the players that sustain success in this league. Otherwise, they wouldn't be 29-year-old journeyman quarterbacks. And so, you know, if you if you solve the quarterback issue with a good to very good player and you have the kind of defense that Mike Zimmer in this defense is, that's different. But I'm not ready to say it's a changing of the guard until either Aaron Rodgers isn't playing quarterback or somebody else is playing quarterback for the Vikings, that's far superior. And, and that is not meant to disparage Case Keenum, who I really enjoyed on uh, Hard Knocks a year ago. Seems like a very likable fellow, and he's had a very good season for the role he's been in. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I don't cover Mike Zimmer, so I don't know what he's like to deal with on a day-to-day basis. He's been really good for us in conference calls. Uh, he was also entertaining when he was on Hard Knocks a few years ago in Cincinnati. That's apparently all I watch on television. Um, but I really think that this is an intriguing story. And I, I know, you know, Judd, you're kind of, you know, got this little cloud of a, cause you know so much about Minnesota sports history. Pretty impressive. Um, but wouldn't it be something if they, I, and I know he, he mentioned it in this conference call with us and I'm sure you guys talk about it, this idea of no one's ever played the Super Bowl at home. The way their defense is playing. And if they don't have to leave that building between now and the Super Bowl, if it ends up working out that way for them. They're going to be tough to bet against. Okay. Let's, thank you for joining. Uh, was there a comment, Judd? Yeah, I was got, got the mic okay. back here. Right, yeah. and I was well, that's tell what Jason. I was waiting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, no, no. no. I, 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 it's a podcast. It's a late-night podcast, too. People right now are like, whatever. Um, no, I, I think that you're right, though. I think the changing of the guard can only be done if you have – if you know that, that you have a quarterback – who can be consistent and and the Vikings are in. I mean, Keenum's going to be able to walk if he wants, or they bring him back on a big contract, which is a risk. Jason uh, Bridgewater might walk, or they bring him back on some type of deal, and Bradford's gone. So yeah, this Rick Spielman, I think, a while back, and it, it was smart. I think Rick basically said, "I can't find a quarterback like the Packers have." And at that time, it was, it, or it, it is Stafford in Detroit. And Cutler at the time in Chicago. And I think he said, okay, I'm going to hire a coach who can stop those quarterbacks, which is well and good and has worked out fantastic. But there's a difference between um, having success with that every other year or so and saying it's a changing of the guard. When you look at the fact that the Green Bay Packers made the playoffs every year from 2009 until 2016, that's remarkable. I mean, that's, you can't then say, well, yeah, but we popped up in 2015, and now we're popping up again in 17. So until you can consistently say that we can win divisions, you can't claim that you're the class of the division. It's that simple to me. And, it, and I would say, too, that when it comes to a team that relies on its defense and its supporting cast, you only get so many shots at this. And you brought up Cincinnati. Great example there. 2015, they go 12-4. and four. They've got everything on that offense. They've got a great offensive line, weapons everywhere, top three defense. And how fast in two years it's all gone away. Players leave. Players get hurt. I mean, just last year we saw a team go from 5-0 and to 8-8 eight and eight because a bunch of guys got hurt. This year almost nobody has gotten hurt on the roster. We're talking about East, and this is the first time we've really talked about a significant injury that hasn't been Sam Bradford or Delvin Cook at the beginning of the year. And that can change just as fast if you go from this year to next year, how quickly we all assume, just like we would have after 2015, oh, we'll just be back. But when you get that opportunity and you don't have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, it's very hard to look forward and say, oh, yeah, we'll just be right there next year. Well, and I think I told you this, Judd, when I was on with you during the week, 
Rodgers is the ultimate deodorant. He covers up everything about your team that stinks. And a defense can do that a lot of times, but it can't do it all the time. And Rodgers has done that here all the time. You bring up the injury issue. That's why Packers fans for 2014, they look back on that. So, and it's so excruciating, almost as bad as, you know, flying back with Judd from Philadelphia after that 2003 fourth and 26 game. Um, because they were healthy. The Packers were the picture of health, and that doesn't happen very often around here. So the fact that the Vikings are in that place, and you guys are talking about injuries now, if this is it for them and they continue their healthy ways, then that also bodes very well. You cannot in this league be blessed with health and then screw it up. And that's what the 2014 Packers team did. Well, the other thing, too, when you bring up the comparisons with Rodgers, I mean – the one thing about this NFC and why the Vikings could potentially make it is all the teams have their great elements with the quarterbacks, especially in the NFC. It's really stacked in the playoffs. It's all MVPs, elite quarterbacks, but all of those teams have enough flaws that, I mean, Cam Newton doesn't have any wide receivers who are any good, right? And Seattle, if they make it, then they don't have an offensive line. And I don't think they're going to make it. And New Orleans has a better defense, but not a perfect defense, Yep, I think. And they don't throw the ball down the field like they used to. They rely on the running backs a lot more sure. in the past. And this Vikings team is very good at, at shutting down running backs. So there's all these teams that, even though they've got their quarterbacks, they've got their flaws. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you have an opportunity this year where if you go, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, they had the weapons, they had the defense for once, mm-hmm. and, and that'll happen sometimes where you have a team that everything just comes together, and it's offense and defense both working great. This year, the rest of the NFC doesn't have that, and everybody feels beatable, especially since Nick Foles is the quarterback in Philadelphia. Yeah, and here's, here's what I'll say. Um, with the teams that have good, good QBs, you go into the playoffs, and you can, and you can as J- Jason said, say, they are going to cover up our flaws. Basically, I can take Drew Brees in, and if things start to go sideways, Drew Brees will will settle things down and play well. Um, my point about Keenum is also what concerns me, which is there are teams where you say, okay, our defense is really good, but the QB can't screw it up. And that's really not a great thing to say. Like, you don't want to be saying that. You want to be saying, and if the worst case scenario happens, Case Keenum can win the game for us. And... People hate to hear this, and they get mad about it, but I can't say that. I can't say that in a playoff atmosphere, in a playoff game, especially on the road, that if things start to go sideways and let's say the defense struggles, which probably won't happen but could happen, okay, Case Keenum will settle things down, and he will make things right. Rodgers can do that. Wilson can do that. Breeze can do that. I mean, I can go through a list, and it's not a huge list, but I can go through a list of quarterbacks who, who if the plane is plummeting, can pull it out of the nosedive. And can Keenum do that? I don't know. And and so when I say um, in a big game that you can't have Keenum screw things up, that's not really a great thing to say. That's not what I want to say, but it's how I feel. I also look at it, too, is when Case Keenum has to do a lot of it himself. Thank you, Jason Wilde, by the way, for Hi, stopping Jason. by. Nice to meet you live on the podcast. Be good. Um, when Case Keenum. Guys leaving on the podcast. This is great. What a great podcast. Say hi to the wife and kids for me. <laughs> make sure that's all you download when he's asked to do a lot himself which often happens on third and long right yep. or when he's got to move the ball down the field yep. they don't do that well 
He is 27th out of 27 qualifying quarterbacks on yards per attempt on third down and long. And there's a statistic that was created for Alex Smith that's called Alex by football outsiders for throwing the ball short of the sticks. So if you have 10 yards to go, where do you throw it on average? And Keenum is at the very top of the league. That doesn't say you can't win, but it says usually you have to play from ahead when that happens. And like you're saying, if there's defensive struggles against a great quarterback at all and you get behind, it's going to be very, very difficult. And I think we see hints of that, like in a game like tonight where he tries to take some shots and it doesn't work out maybe like it was before. And this is not this, this really is not meant to bash him and I I'm afraid or I, I feel it comes across that that way pretty consistently especially from the two of us but I guess when you ask me what did you learn I guess tonight just crystallizes again what if you're if you're a Vikings fan you you see and you think to yourself oh um, which is, you know, you're, if you're playing a playoff defense, if you're playing a playoff team, if you're playing the, if you're playing the Saints, which has a good, a pretty good defense now, and which has Drew Brees, can you beat them with this structure? I think the answer is absolutely yes. They don't scare me, but it's also you see glimpses of what we saw tonight, and you think to yourself, scouting wise, this could, this could be difficult. And I think that that's what makes the Vikings the most interesting team in the NFL going into the playoffs because they have everything else in place. And at times Keenum has been very good. And will he be able to continue that run? That puts them at the top of the intrigue list because every other box is checked. And for at least a segment of games here, he's checked a lot of the boxes, but also shown us little flashes here and there where it would leave you with enough concern to say, yeah, he's not going to be able to do some of the things that the elite quarterbacks do, but the door is open. I mean, the the possibility is there for him to be good enough to take them all the way to the Super Bowl, and that's where we'll get into this next week, but that's where next week's game becomes actually huge. I think being at home is gigantic for this team. I I, I don't think it's just okay. I don't don't think think it's any doubt about it. Enormous. Right. Right, and and you are looking at you are looking at potentially opponents um, who certainly across the board don't all have great QBs. Nick Foles, now you know Philadelphia. I mean, he's a nice quarterback, but he's just a nice quarterback. So yeah, it's um, it's going to be very intriguing. But uh, yeah, tonight was to say the least. I thought a pretty ugly football game, but the Vikings won, so good for them. All right. Well, that is it for thanks us. to our buddy Jason Wilson, ESPN thank Wisconsin. Yep, thanks for him uh, stopping by, and uh, thank you for listening to. This episode from Lambeau Field of the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.